It's the Jesus and Paula Show. Starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Tune in as we learn the mind of Christ and thoughts of God. Well, good evening, Jesus and Paula Show family. Welcome to this week's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show. I'm Apostle Ashley and kicking off tonight's uh, broadcast with you. Now, listen, if you have not been following in this series, it will change your life. I don't know any one place where you can get this much free <laughs> advice and insight and coaching from a professional on the soul. So tell your friends, we're on live tonight. Last week, Dr. Price jumped in there. We're in like the prophet's soul clinic. Can we deal with the soul of the prophet, the soul of the minister, the soul of a person? And she asked us about what are our soul appetites? Do you know what the appetites of your soul are? She had a statement that said, when your soul is distressed, 90% of what you do is based on survival. We jumped into this last night in our midweek service, 90%. So when you think about, because don't, don't most of us think that we're better at faking it than we are. How do we know when we're really not good at faking it? When you finally confess something to people and they're like, oh yeah, well, we knew that. I mean, we were just waiting for you to say, well, you've been dealing with that since this time, or we've been seeing that on you since whatever. And you're always shocked that other people can clearly see what you think you are cleverly or professionally hiding or just sucking up. And because you're not acting the way you fully want to act, <laughs> you don't register that you that your actions have changed. It, it doesn't even mean that you're acting out. Um, you can be somebody like a Nehemiah who was always just in the best disposition ever. And so when he was in that place of being distressed, the king was able to say to him, what is going on? Your countenance has fallen. What that means is he was always in a good mood. He was the employee that everybody loved to see coming. He's the one that probably got on everybody else's nerves because the boss was talking about how much they enjoyed working with that person. But that person, you know, Nehemiah clearly always made it a very pleasant experience for the king to be around him, not just him being around the king. And when his countenance had fallen, the king was like, talk to me, sir. Now, kings did not have to talk to their subjects. I don't care what rank you are. They did not have to deal with you. Leaders do not have to deal with their subordinates like that. But he noticed that something must have been troubling him, not just irritating him or, you know, he, maybe he's having a bad day. First of all, when you serve a king, do you understand you cannot have bad days? You cannot come before a king looking hit. You can't come before a king wearing your bad day on your face or not on your face or in your clothes and your attire, the way you walk. You know, the things that we do are nonverbal communications to let the world know that we're miserable, we're unhappy, we're frustrated, we disagree with what's going on. All those things that we do in our free American way is not how you do in front of a king, not a real king, not, not these 
DraftKings right here. I'm not talking about the social way that we have made every office now. You can't do that in front of an actual king and just let them know how I disagree with your decision. You can, and it will be the last thing you let anybody know (laughs) because they can off with your head, send you to prison, reassign you to the outskirts of the kingdom. There are so many ways to shift difficult people around in a kingdom. And so kings have that authority. Leaders have that authority to do so. You might be that person on your job where the company keeps moving you around and not because you're a resource, but because you're a problem, they can't seem to find a legal way to fire. Well, we're just going to try you over here, right, Providential? Have you read the book Corporate Confidential? which is one we recommend all of our up-and-coming leaders to read. Dr. Price has said this countless times, corporate confidential. They're corporate confidentialing you. You had the prime office, and then you had the offshoot of the prime office, and then you had the lobby of the prime office, and then another floor with no prime office, and then you're by the door behind a cubicle or behind a desk with zero office at all. And then your full-time, overtime, extra time benefits, and then your regular hours, and then we're cutting your hours, and then we're trimming your hours. And and then, you know what? We have another property that we manage, and we're going to try you over there. This is the way corporate America can just demote you without demoting you. To avoid, there was a time when they could fire you. There was a time when they could be very forward about those things. Well, they got sued and companies abused that privilege. And so now it's actually very hard to fire somebody in corporate America without the risk of retaliation. They could have a terrible attendance record, poor attitude on the job. Their morale is just terrible. When they work with other people, they're bringing those people down with them and and, and everything else. And so since they can't really say anything to you anymore, they just shift you. Well, you know, there's a special program we have just for you. We're starting a new division, and you get there, and it's a division of two people. They just divided. And so Nehemiah, his countenance had fallen, which was obviously clearly against his normal way of doing things or what would be allowed before the king. And and the king, being that type of king, was like, well, what's going on? I mean, talk to me. You could tell that they had relationship on some level because high leaders do have relationship with the team that works closest to them. And you think you're just brushing so-and-so aside because they're nobody to you. I don't want to deal with the assistant chief prophet. I want to deal with chief prophet. I don't want to deal with apostle Ashley. I want to deal with Dr. Bryce. And please don't send Rachel. Oh, thou offendest me. You sent somebody who doesn't even have a whole title yet. What are you doing? And so people like to dismiss and blow blow that off and, oh, you know, and, and not realizing you're offending the throne when you offend those attached to the throne. It only goes so far when you tell somebody, well, I really like you, but I can't stand your children. 
Now you might have a reason to not be able to not like we I know I've known we've all known some but you're only going to get so far with somebody well I like you but I can't stand your wife. Then you really don't like me because these are the people that I've created. <laughs> this is the person that I choose to be with and you can't stand that decision. So really you actually don't like me. You don't appreciate what I do. Because you don't like the fruit of my decisions. And we don't realize that we say that when we say that. That's why you need to get into 3D. Get your soul right. No, there's a witness in the room. Get your soul right. She said your soul is meant to be in your control. Last week she said, your, what are your appetites or your petty tights? You're just petty. What are your petty tights? What just get it just gets on my nerves. That just gets on my nerves. You know, being with Dr. Price for years has so many benefits. But in our younger years, <clears throat> we would just fuss about our, especially our, our roommates. You know, at some point we've all lived with each other, <laughs> especially when you don't have any money. And so you have to pull all your resources together. Four of us, five of us in a house, uh, four of us in an apartment, whatever. Comfortable times, very uncomfortable times, sleeping on the floor in somebody else's home because you can't get in your place yet. And I mean, we have done it all over the years, all of it. This is why we can probably coach everybody in every living dynamic under the sun because we've experienced it. And so we were very petty as young people, very petty. Uh, used to, you, you think like when you get away from home, when you're finally on your own, you can make control life. It's now in your control. You can have what you want. And, and if I don't, you know, want to live with this certain type of thing, I don't have to anymore. And then your bubble is burst with reality, which is even when you live by yourself, there's still going to be things you may not appreciate. And so we were petty talking about, well, she leaves her shoes by the door and she leaves her this, you know, on this and, oh, and, you know, I just can't stand it. And on and on and on and on, no compromise, no understanding, very little concessions being made, all of that kind of thing. And Dr. Price is like, you guys are so petty and you're going to ruin your marriage if you ever get one, because this kind of nonsense is going to blow up a house. And it was like, huh? Because we were just being young. We were in our 20s. Finally, have my own place. I'm paying my own bills. Nobody can tell me how to live when I pay my own bills. Listen, if you live with other people, everybody's going to tell you how to live. Because it's their house too. It's their house too. And so last week when she was talking about our, our petty tights, our petty, our petty, yeah, petty tights. What, what, what are you petty about? I mean, seriously, you have to be honest with yourself and just say, I am being petty. Last week, uh, I, I told the team not to do something for someone else because technically it wasn't their job. And I was halfway down the hall and the Lord said, don't be petty. Was I incorrect in telling them not to do something? Actually, I was not. I was not. But God knew it was motivated by being petty. And so I sent the text because I learned from our leader, who was very honest about those moments, I said, you know what? I'm not going to be petty. We don't need to be petty, and I'm not going to instruct you and authorize you to be petty in this situation. Let's go ahead and do it and be a team. So we all still work through it. This was a few weeks ago. This is not a few years ago. <laughs> I wouldn't we love to say, yeah, I remember way back last Thursday. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, all the way back in July, which was two Thursdays ago, when the Lord checked me on being petty. And so don't think that you're ever going to outgrow having to mature. Don't think that you're ever going to outgrow having to become. Right now we have a sale going on where you can buy one sole product and get the second one 25% off. And there are actually several sole products in our store for you to purchase. You can go to ppmglobalresources.com and surf around and see what you can find. Something else I want to introduce to you that is new to our uh, God's Royal Network broadcast, yay, is Prophet Norma McDaniel has her new morning prayer broadcast called Prayer Before the Bell. It's 15, it's like, well, with the intro, it's like 18 minutes, but it's a 15-minute broadcast, and she is talking to children specifically to children, but I want you to know adults need this wisdom too. We need it. And she is, is sitting down and she's telling them, okay, now you're, you have to get out your pen, get out your paper, get out your notebook, get out your Bible. She gives them lessons on wisdom and insight. It is fit. It's great. And so we want to encourage all of you, you can go, if you're on whatever social media platform, there's a flyer. I think she had it up. She can put it back up there. Uh, thank you. Where you can go to Facebook or YouTube and key in prayer before the letter B, the number four, before the bell. And she has covering our generation in prayer. And it's prayer and wisdom and insight for your children. Prophet Norma is teaching your kids how to defend themselves against bullies, how to prepare to be excellent and great. Thank you. How to be excellent and great in studying. The one that went up, was it this morning? Uh, was she praying about athletes, I think, maybe? The focus was on athletes. And she was talking about her nephew who says he wants to be like Michael Jordan. He wants to be like Mike. You know, if I could be like Mike. And she, in essence, let him know you really don't. I'm going to be like Mike <clears throat> because you don't like to practice. <laughs> and she said, Michael Jordan practiced all the time. He didn't just get on top. He stayed on top. He stayed on top until he squeezed him out, stayed on top because it was never good enough. It was never enough. And she said, you have to put your tablet down. You're going to have to come out of yourself. You're going to have to dedicate time. She said, you don't, you're not, you don't want to be Michael. You want Michael's awards. Because when we say really that we want to be somebody, what we're usually saying is we want to have the harvest of what they've done. Singers, I want to be, I want to be CC Wadens. You probably don't. Because whatever amount of time this woman has put into becoming and staying, it's one thing to have a short-term success, but to be a reigning champion in your field for decades means that you maintain a discipline. You have disciplined your life for your success, not just who you are. That means that your family is disciplined for it. Your spouse is disciplined for it. Your children, your coworkers, your friends, everybody falls into the patterns of your discipline because they understand what you're doing. When you see these hugely uh, popular or six, I'm going to say successful because you can be popular. And actually, whatever you're successful in, even if it's terrible things, who are successful, but we'll lean more toward the you know positive side of life. Uh, let's just take singers who are who reign and dominate. 
actors, people like that with uh, careers that are very, very demanding. Their children have to understand this is what mom or dad does. Their spouse has to understand this is what mom or dad does. There are jobs and careers where the spouse is gone. One spouse is gone. X amount of days. I have several married friends where their husband's jobs take them out of the home four or five days a week. Every single week they're on the road. And they, some of them have one child. Some of them have none. Some of them have four or five. And they are the ones who have to make that work. So that ideal romantic fantasy of family is good for television. And it, hey, some people it works if we're all home, have the nine to five job, the nine to five career and everything like that. I haven't seen it too much. Many of my friends who are married have ministry and businesses and children and all kinds of things. And so what we see painted and told is the ideal fantasy does not fall into those who are called to greatness. When you're called to greatness, it's a different package. It's a different price that you have to do, but your whole life has to fall into the discipline that makes you great. I live with Dr. Paula Price. Trust me, the whole house falls in line with what her standard of office is. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter whatever. Doesn't mean we don't have fun. We have so much fun in the house. Are you kidding me? We have fun here. So you know we have fun at home. Do you laugh? Do we laugh? Do we laugh? We laugh until we cry. We laugh at each other. That's for sure. We have some comedians in the house. Prophet Tall, a straight comedian. You know Dr. Price is a cut up. I'm a cut up. Dr. Price's brother, biggest comedian in the house. Everybody. So we have a great time. We have a great time. And we have some good food. Oh, do we have some great food. Fellowship, big old fat television in the family room, all kind of things going on that are absolutely home. But the standard doesn't change. Just we understand. Whether we're in our jammies and it's movie night, or we're just coming in from church for Sunday clergy. Standards don't change, and we love it. Your whole life has to be disciplined for whatever your calling is, and everybody comes into that discipline. So when she's talking about here last week about your petty tights and God deals with your world present, which is why you, uh, we have so many pre-things, or, or excuse me, our world preset. He's dealing with the predestination, the preset. Don't you ever find it confusing when you're taking on something that you think is your idea, but you realize your ideas don't matter? And it's because actually what you're stepping into has been preset. It's already been organized. You want to start a business. Let's just say your business is very creative or whatever. So you're like, hey, this is the vision I have. This is how I want to do it. The government tells you what you can and cannot do. Your city tells you what you can and cannot do. Your neighborhood tells you what you can and cannot do. Your household tells you what you can and cannot do. The forms and documents, the IRS. Oh, the scariest letters right now with all the 87,000 people they've just hired to come after us. That they are going to tell you, that's 87,000, isn't 87,000? They are going to tell you what you can and cannot do. The, the standards of safety, um, let's just say you're cooking something that's food. There are food license protocols. I'm sorry, you can't actually handle your food like that. You have to have a certain, well, this ingredient, well, you can't leave this out. Well, if you're, if you're home, well, you actually, you cannot make your home your official address of business because it is not in compliance with. And so all of a sudden, this idea that is totally yours is 
is absolutely not up to you. And that's how it is with our calling. God has, God has called me to be, and I'm going to be, I'm his this, and I'm his that. And then you're, you get upset whenever you realize, well, actually the standard protocols of practice say you can't do this. You can't do that. The relationships, you understand that your job can call the shots on what relationships you can and cannot have based on your position. The higher up you go, the smaller the latitude you have. Prophet Marie's an epidemiologist. She's not a state epi. And when she was promoted from her uh, district to state, she had some orientation ses- sessions, letting her know what even appropriate in her personal life relationships can get her fired. Well, okay, you can do this, but not here. How you engage on the work with work people versus home outside. And you need to understand certain things. And, and X, Y, Z, it went down the line. Even working for yourself. I want to be my own boss. How many of us? I want to be my own boss. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to do my own thing. We realize now, if you don't put in a certain amount of hours, effort, marketing, and whatever, even if you're working for yourself, actually it's harder. Because when you work for somebody who already has an established brand and label, They've done all of that for you. You don't have to work at selling, convincing people about towels if you're in Bed Bath & Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond has already done that. That's why somebody walked in the door. What you're going to do is direct them, do you want fluffy? Do you want thin? Do you want a bath towel? Do you want a bath sheet? Do you want, you can tell I worked in a home store. Do you want a washcloth? Do you want a hand towel? Would you like the plush or would you like the, what, what, how, what's your budget? How much do you, that's all you have to do. What's your color scheme? Is it light? You want something that's purple. Do you want light? Do you want deep? Would you like a mauve? Do you want a blend? This is a little more pink. This is a little more purple. This is a little more blue. That's our job. JC Penny had already done the work whenever I worked there. I didn't have to actually convince anybody to walk in the store. My job was to convince them to pick something from the shelf to put in a bag and maybe something that they hadn't planned on buying in addition to that. But when it's you and your brand that you're rolling out there, you have to convince the population, reach the population, find your population, market to your population, convince them that even though they're not the old and the familiar of what everybody knows, that you're still quality. And you spend years and years and years plowing that ground to hopefully get a blip from your competition, which is long established. So we're teaching here on the soul of the success of the prophet, the apostle, the person, the people, the soul of the people. (laughs) Are you a people? Then we're teaching on your soul. (laughs) We're teaching on what's going to make you great and fabulous. And, And with that, and we're teaching as well, you have got to do the work. It's not anointing fall on me. Deliverance. My storage is empty, and I am available to you. As soon as I get time off. Use me, Lord. Not today. Use me, Lord. It's Saturday. (laughs) Use me, Lord. It's Sunday. I'm tired. I don't work on Saturday. (laughs) I have the weekend off. Use me, Lord. I mean, come on. We're going to play it and lie. We lie to ourselves. We lie to God. We lie to our preacher. Talking about we're going to volunteer, but I'm not available the hours you're open. 
And we have a running joke at the embassy. And then we'll take a quick break and turn it over to Dr. Price. We have a running joke when we ask for volunteers. How many people consistently let us know they're not available the day we need them. They're available the next day. It's a running joke now. So if that's you, just don't even say it to us anymore. I'm not going to name names. But it's like, yeah, I'm available. Oh, my God, today. I'm not available. To, I'm available tomorrow, though. Tomorrow. And it's always tomorrow. Like if we say we need a volunteer on Monday, you're available on Tuesday. If it's a Tuesday, oh, you're not available until tomorrow after church. Oh, I and wish then, you had asked me because I was available yesterday. Because I was available yesterday. If we oh, the weekends are best for me. Okay, we're going to move things on Saturday. Oh, I'm not available on Saturday, but I can do it Sunday after church. <laughs> it's so, and that's how we do God. I'm telling you. <laughs> And we'll be right back after this moment with our host with the most, Dr. Paula Price. Introducing Soul Call Fridays with Dr. Price. Taking your soul from distress to success. One person at a time. Tune in every Friday on Facebook or YouTube. <laughs> Woo, well, that was quick. <laughs> that was good. First of all, let me just, I, I want to thank my staff. I always like to do that because I have a phenomenal team. My team is so amazing. I almost think I don't have to tell them to do things because they're always doing them and getting them done so i just want to say thank you team and this is just amazing i thank god for you and all that you have done and i couldn't get it done without you and i'm getting ready to move into a whole other dimension so of course you're going to have to work harder and <laughs> and do not tell me that you're not available today <laughs> I'm available in yes you know i i, I tell you the truth i have Apostle Ashley, I have matured and I've mellowed over the years. I have mellowed over the years. No, 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 no. But let me tell you something, because when when I first started in my early days, my early, I would say the early 15 years that I was doing this, when people did that to me, I I I shut the jobs down. Because I was like, no, because you can move for everybody else, you're gonna move for Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Paula, and I need you not to do that. He's like, because we do need to have them employed. Okay? <laughs> uh, all right, God, because you know. <clears throat> and so I'm mellow now. And I, as a matter of fact, I'm so mellow, I, I have a step back, hands off approach. I sent Ashley, you know, one of the things that I know about moving up in God and becoming strong and, and mighty in God and you know, I'm going through this amazing metamorphosis with the Holy Ghost, and he's metamorphosizing and having a blast. But he won't do that till he can trust your integrity, mm. trust your restraint, and your maturity. Mm. And, you know, we have erroneously told you that if God did it for one, he'll do it for all. Oh, yeah. First of all, if you believe that, now I want you to understand you need to go back to a dip in the blood. <laughs> and when you're done with the blood, I need you to go and get dipped in the word because if that was the case we'd all look alike Indeed. we would all we would have no racial issues 
we would have no no uh envy because we'd all be alike and we'd all be doing one thing and god be doing everything else so god is really looking to step it up for those of you who um don't remember i did something called the apocalyptic prayer project and in that i talked about a lot of the strengths that god was releasing and a lot of the downloads and all of that I also discussed the 2.5 million yes. that god was moving into principalities i'm about to have closed sessions on those principalities so that when god starts doing things and moving things and changing you you'll understand what he's doing one of the things he shared with me is we have in in scripture several figures that God used and they they lived longer than was the lifespan of the day. So back in Bible times, the lifespan was, I don't know, 40 years. So 40 was old because it was taking you to death. Moses lived three times that. Abraham exceeded that. And, and we don't know about Elijah or Enoch. We just know that God took them. But all of them shared one thing. They lived extraordinary lives and did extraordinary things, and they broke the lifespan record of the day, of today too, because they didn't die sick. You know, it's nice to say you're a, you're a centurion. First of all, I don't want to be 100 years on this planet if I have to look out the window and be all old, and uh, that's not impressive to me. So I'm just, I'm be honest with you, I already told God, don't, don't even worry about it. I will not ask you for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask. Because I don't, to me, that's torment. Because when Moses lived those years, the Bible said he was, his eyes were not dim and his, not, his vigor was still with him at 120 years old. He's climbing the mountain to go die. How are you going to tell me to climb the mountain to go die? Because I gave you the vigor to climb it. And so the Holy Spirit started talking to me and commenting on how he did it. He said, but I upgraded them. I physiologically changed their makeup. I removed the progress of death and aging. Now, it never crossed our minds to say how he did it. So because what we're saying is that while Moses was living forever, his age was clocking up. His body was supposed to go down and it didn't. And nobody asked those questions. See, in God, you've got to ask the right questions because there's his norm. There is the abnormal. There's the phenomenal. <clears throat> and then there's the supernormal. And so we have to find out. So he said, but no, I, I changed him. I changed their body. One of the reasons why we don't appreciate the Christianity that Jesus left in the planet is because we keep thinking that it's text and contextual right. not biotic god is a living god and the reason that we are all sick and beat up right now is because we're living according to another script our salvation has defined us as meek weak lowly despicable and despised i want to tell you something and we've said it i've said it dozens and dozens of times and i'll say it till i'm gone I am not a sinner saved by grace. Because you keep saying that, you ultimately sub subconsciously give yourself a, a pass on your sin. That was the strategy. Because how you say it is what you will do. If you think in your heart, I'm a sinner, and grace didn't work. 
then you will always give yourself a pass on your sin by saying, well, I'm only human and my salvation will kick in when I leave the planet. My redemption, my cleanness, my holiness. And so I, I'm not that. You will never hear Dr. Price say it. I don't care about who said it. I am not. Now, I am a sinner. I'm not a sinner saved by grace, but I'm a saint who's still overcoming the sin in the flesh. I am not a sinner. I did not get saved to sin. I think it's the stupidest statement anybody can make to say you're a sinner saved by grace, but you got saved to stop being a sinner. Right. I'm Give me a second. I'm home. That's the dumbest statement. And you and you know millions of Christians are walking around saying, what are you going to do? I'm going to send it saved by grace. That is not me. And if you are really saved, grace is keeping you from sin. Grace is your shield. Grace is your guard. Grace is your preventative. Grace is your guardianship, your protection. That's who you are. And because of that, you are never going to move up to Moses' rank where God changes your physiology. To manifest his hallowed holiness. Moses did not. In the beginning he ceased from sin. And then he hung out with Jesus so much. Sin ceased in him. I don't know about you. But I'm already excited. I'm just excited. Now why am I telling you this? Let me get back to why I mentioned. Uh, the uh, apocalyptic prayer project. Because in that I talk about the 2.5 million saints in whom sin has ceased that God is going to use to replace and establish his principalic powers in the heavens and the earth. Let me tell you how powerful this thing. God said to Moses when, when the people decided that they, you know, they just couldn't stand Moses any longer, which was really, you know, sinners saved by grace would not like saints who have been descended. Okay, we, we we don't sin like that. So, and so God said he has a, he makes a strange statement. He said, "Send them to their house because they did not want God to talk to them directly." And so Moses is talking, and God spoke from the mountaintop so that they know that Moses was not acting alone; that he had a greater and higher power that he was answering to, and that he was obeying. So Moses. Was, he, he's upset because they don't want to hear God talk. Moses, listen. Listen, Mo, we're going to trust you. If you say it's Yahweh, we're going to believe you. Just don't let this mountain talk to us anymore. We don't want the Lord to talk to us directly. Let him talk to you. Because you want to know where the intermediary, intermediary thing began. Let him talk to you and you come and tell us what he says. And we're going to do whatever you say. Because we're going to liken your words to God's words, your mouth to God's mouth. So, hence, the beginning of the prophet being the intermediary representative. Because people, as much as they love the notion, do not want to hear God directly. Uh, trust me, you don't. The man doesn't stop. He's like, I mean, even if he's not talking, he's living through you. His feelings are coming through. His thoughts, his reactions, all of that are living through your being because he is the living God. So Moses said, okay, so God says, this is what God said. Moses is, is just devastated because he knows God in this deep, rich way, in this very powerful way. And so Moses is devastated. And God said, they are right in what they said. 
send them back to their tents. But he made a statement. He said, but as for you, you stand here beside me. Now think about that. You stand beside me. Not longer, long after we see Moses is pitching his tent outside on the borders, outside of the people. Because he was now the, the, the temple, tabernacle state where it was, but Moses relocated. He put his residence from them. He had to distance himself from them for any number of very powerful reasons. But he said, Moses, you stand here beside me. Isn't God in heaven? Isn't Moses on the ground? But yet the Lord Jesus, the Yahweh uh, in that manifestation says, you stand beside me. So Moses stands beside God and that up close and personal position and causes Moses to absorb all of God's emissions. Now, first of all, the man has been on the mountaintop with almighty 40 days twice. So 80 days, he's exclusively in God's face, not in our world. So he's above the law of sin and death. So that's number one. I can't even imagine 80 days. And and, and most people see, because those of you who are sinners saved by grace, you're like, well, that's got to be boring. Because in your mind, you bought Satan's lie about how boring God is. You bought Satan's lie about how unpleasant God is. Now, the Bible writes him as the desire of all nations, but not for you. You don't desire him because you listen to Satan talk about it because I'm going somewhere today. So hang tough with me tonight. You are going to really be amazed at how much we are missing of our covenant redemption privileges and blessings and access. I'm enjoying them. I mean, I just love the man. The man's my honey. So and and I don't apologize. I don't care about what Satan said. He, He had his shot. He blew it. Okay, you blew it. You really, because you should got to think you're going to take out your maker and you haven't even learned your maker. So, yeah, you you blew it. You're gone. That's fine. I, I will step in and step up. We talked about that a little bit last week. So 40 days twice, Moses is in God's presence. Now, here's the, the, the naivety and the psychological blindness that's on humanity. Very pe- very few people imagine that there was a physiological benefit to being in God, the God of creation, the God that strung the stars, the God that made everything there is, the God that holds your breath in his hands, the God that breathes life, brings that quick as a- very few people credits Moses with being upgraded. Physiologically, spiritually, solically. Moses made it to heaven without us ever finding out when he was born again. There was no born again back then. So how did he meet the criteria of living eternally like God's angels? He, we, he actually died so God punished his flesh for the waters at Meribah when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. But he was so upgraded, death had no claim on him. See, this is why you all don't like to go to church, because it's boring. Because you all aren't learning anything up in there. You, you, you're there letting your pastor do the motivation, motivate you to do what? 
to envy your pastor? To envy, your, to envy their riches and their lifestyle? Is that what motivation is all about? Because they certainly are motivating you to be a better you. They motivated you, motivated you to be a worse Christian. So really, the motivation that you're getting in your pulpits are really demotivation because they're demotivating you for being a Christian, which is why your churches are crazy. Now, so Moses, 40, you're demotivated. That's why you can sit up there and be okay going to get tats all over your body for other gods, talking about Jesus understands. He understands that, but just because he understands doesn't mean he approves, indulges, or will accept. Don't act as if he has no, no options, no alternatives. God has every alternative. He can just ignore you your whole life. He can ignore your diseases. He can ignore your sicknesses. He can ignore all of that nastiness that's in you that you, you think you're going to put on his altar in eternity. You understand? So as we move, move forward, I, this biotic thing, once God opened that, that biotic thing up to me, I have not been the same. So Moses is in God on the mountaintop with God, presumably not eating or drinking. Now, we know he has something called angel's food. So I'm sure that God and Moses enjoyed that. Or either God is so uh, uh, magnificent and he's so substantive that just being in his presence take away all of your physical needs because you're subsisting on him at that time. So he didn't have an appetite. And he didn't have thirst because God is upgrading him. So God actually switched out Moses' spirit. Oh, somebody going to hear this. So the new birth was in Moses before it hit the planet. So he's switching out Moses' spirit. So the dead spirit from Adam 1 that he had in the world has been changed. And he now has the spirit of Christ, the last Adam. Otherwise, how did he? How did God get him to heaven? So now this is your faith to do this. I don't care about your unbelieving, atheistic nothing. It means zip to me because you are old. You are not 16. You're old. You're, 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 you're rotting away just like, just like he said. You can't keep your soul alive. You can't help yourself. And all you could do is live in the labyrinth of your deceptions in your mind. Now, I know this for a fact because people come to our church and they look at these women here and they keep thinking that they're like in their 20s. You look at Ashley, you can see life is reviving on her. Look at Chief, look at these women. You know why? Because holiness is a preservative. And the, that's why when, you, when people leave their nasty worlds, they look younger and they look healthier and they look more appealing. So getting back to Moses, I'm getting back to Moses because I'm going somewhere. And so getting back to Moses, Moses is up there. So he gets two 40-day doses of the Holy Ghost. We only know what he did when he came down the mountain. They said his face shone for a long time. That's a new creation spirit. The light of, of the spirit of Christ is radiating through his face. Now, they saw his face. I would venture to say when he took off his clothes to go to bed, he was radiating from head to toe. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He was in Christ on that mountain. So Moses was the new creature. 
Okay, let me take her. Did you want to hit something? Oh, right. <laughs> See, the new creation is defined. The, the, the thing with God is that he knows that his scriptures would be hacked, whacked, and chopped up. So he scattered all of these revelations. I'm going to give you a revelation today that's going to mess with you. And so... <laughs> So think about it. So Moses is on this mountain with the Almighty, and God wanted them to have proof of it. So he gave Moses physiological evidence of eternity at work in him. I don't know about you, but that's powerful. So now how do we know it worked? Well, even though God had to judge his flesh for the, for the waters at Meribah when he did not strike the rock, Jude, Jesus' brother, Jesus' brother, you know, you hear all of this kind of stuff. But can you imagine Jesus is your, your, your oldest brother? Like, y'all going, you know, at night he's telling you all of these things. How did they get those books? How did James get his wisdom? He wasn't with the 12 apostles, Jesus' brother. He was not with the 12 apostles. He was not in the apostles' class. So where did he get it from? Private discussions with his older brother. So how did Jude get the account of Moses' death? We know in Deuteronomy 32 that God tells Moses, look, you're not going to promised land. No, 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 no. He said, why? You did not hallow me before my people. So, no, I'm not going to let you enjoy the covenant that I'm bringing them into. Now, one thing about God, if he tells you he's going to do something, he he will wait. For, you'll forget it. 50 years, you ready to, because you think he's mellowed with age. You know, maybe, I mean, I'm clearly the most high has calmed down by now. I mean, how long is he going to do this? His word can't return to him void, which is why you don't want him to say a lot of things. Okay, so he says to Moses, you're not doing that. He said, but Moses is like, you know, can I get some reward for what I've done? He said, well, listen, go up to the mountain. Look at all that you that I'm giving them that you're not entering. You know, we got to talk about the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And he said, then he said, then go over and die. So he's dead. He dies on the mountain. First of all, he's a, he climbs this mountain at 120 years old. Most of us don't want to climb the stairs to our building. We are so we get so we walk into our company and we, that elevator not we are upset that elevator is not working. They need to fix that. Not Moses. He climbs a mountain in a rugged environment in the most rugged area era of humanity. He dies. Now when he dies, now remember. God, God is telling him to go. So he dies at the word of the Lord. I, I'm, I, you know, shed a bow. I'm at a shed a bow on that one. So God just said, climb this mountain, look at what I'm not giving you, and then go die over here. No, 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 not. And so I can imagine he just laid down and closed his eyes. Or did he? So I talked last week about Satan being at the Last Supper. I talked and have been talking about it since then. Now, I want you to hear me. Wherever there's a Jesus, there's a Satan. 
because he's still attached to his maker. He's just not thriving from him. So he shows up. Satan is there with Moses, which means everywhere Moses went, he was there. So how did he, because otherwise, how did he know to get on the mountain? Well, we don't find out until Job, Jude, it talks, and he talks about how God had to send Michael to loose Moses' spirit and soul. Because, I mean, can you imagine? The devil is like, whoa. And he just, he's got this body, and he was arguing over his body. Now, Moses is gone, but he wanted to use his body so that he could deceive the people into thinking he's Moses and he can lead them into sin. So when you read it in Jude, when it says that they argued over Moses' body, our theological, our charismatic theological mind wants to say they really meant spirit, they really meant soul. No, both left. You, otherwise, why, why is the body laying around? So they're arguing over his body. And we've heard people preach it with like zero. I mean, preaching it with carnal blinders on. Yeah, because isn't it the truth? I mean, this revelation comes by being with the man. That's how come Jude could tell the story that only the apostles had heard in class. But Jesus is his brother. So he's telling him the story of Moses. And I would imagine that if we were ever allowed into the Almighty's archives, we would hear a whole lot of midnight stories and mysteries that Jesus shared with his siblings. Because we don't give him credit. The only thing we give him credit for is sleeping with Mary Magdalene. See, that's how you know Satan's telling the story. So he's arguing. And so because Satan and the word for body there is not the word for soul, nephesh, or, or spirit, pneuma. It's the word sarx for flesh. So he's arguing over the body because he I want to use this body. He wants to step into it because back then things had not been shut down. He had quite a bit of authority that he doesn't have today. And so he wanted to do it. Moses, meanwhile, is already in his new body in God's world. How'd that happen? Then we go and we, Jesus is getting ready to die. And Satan is right there for his death. And then Moses and Elijah show up. So let's talk about Elijah. Likewise, completely upgraded new creature in Christ Jesus, new creature in Yahweh. Jesus came to make the whole of the Adamic descendants new creatures, if they would have him. But this is not new. Think about Enoch. And so all of these people are born dead, born mortal, born descendants of Adam one, thus offspring of darkness, Satan's offspring. All of them are. And the Lord took him. And when he, he can't, you cannot get in God's world with Satan's soul. You can't get in God's world with Satan's spirit because, well, he's been cast out. They've, they've been, I mean, God's creation has been recoded. I'm going to share some things with you. And I'm going to take my time to share it because what I'm about to tell you today is startling. So we have Enoch. We have Moses, 
we have Elijah. Did you see how that's working? And then we get down to Jesus. Now, Jesus, like Abraham, has to go to hell. The others bypass hell because all souls are born to hell. That's why you must be born again. A lot of these pastors are telling you this and these demotivating motivators. A lot of these pastors are lying to you because they believe, they went to Satan's dinner party and this is the word he put in their mouth. So because they need to uh, they need to pay him for him paying for those ministries, keeping that television program, keeping that television network. See, so you are, you're, you're, you're going to have to pay him. You, you know, there's no such thing as free B. You can't even be free. No such thing as free B. And so they're telling you that, but what they're not telling you is that, is that all souls go to hell first. You're born as a child of hell, twofold child of sin. Remember, you're born as a, the whole power of the cross is that Jesus went to hell and did with all of those dead souls what God had done with Moses, what God had done with Enoch. What he had he and what he had done with Elijah. We know that your your the um, anointing of God, the grace of God changes you because Elisha's bones were still electrified with the Almighty Spirit. Now you'll have people to say you don't believe. I really don't care. A lot of people don't believe you should have married who you married. Didn't stop you. A lot of you married folks, your family can't stand dated people your friends hate it and you know what they cut you off they didn't care about your unbelief they just cut you off so, so you can understand god's mind on it he just cut you off it's not what am i going to argue with you when i'm looking at you right away i know that in six months you're going to have cancer i know that in seven months you're going to have a disease i know that in nine years your kidneys are going to fail i know all of this about you while you living while you're living in your arrogance blinded by darkness so he doesn't care. So I need you. I need Christians to stop weeping and crying. Oh, but they just need. To. No, they cannot be saved if they were not in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's period. Jude. Judas died because he was not in Christ. Because everything else in Christ was rescued. See, this is not religion. This is a biotic experience. And that's what scripture is trying to tell you all. And we did not need scripture for God to do it. There was no scripture when Moses was on the mountain. He was up there to get it. Well, he was up there to get scripture. There was no scripture, no text up there. May have had some writings from Enoch, maybe. And maybe some writings from, you know, um, all of those that preceded him that went up there. I don't know, but I know this. There were no scriptures. And yet everything that we Jesus brought to earth is the gospel. The things that are about to be kept hidden from the foundation of the world is now the gospel of life. The gospel of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to catch me because this is interesting and I want you to follow me. Now, your, your trust me, your theology is probably screaming in your ear right now. All of your well, what about what about because you know what? Satan is always where truth is. Wherever there's truth, there's he's going to be there, or he has an agent there. You know those angels, those devils that are supposed to take care of you and keep you in darkness for him. All of that is real. It's up to you to fight the good fight. 
So when God talked about these 2.5 principalities, we've always talked about principalities of darkness. We never think about principalities of life, of light, or light. Because if there's light, then there's life and vice versa. But yet we know that God altered Jacob and made him God's principality and made him that before he had children so that that, that principality inheritance would pass on. It would become genetic. Y'all still working with me? I know. I know. So, you know, when, because remember, Moses came back and he was changed. So that means he had that, that, that same thing that Abraham did. God changed Abraham's makeup so that the sperm that came from him would be the sperm of life that would be predisposed to faith, which was not in the earth. We know that because when Jesus comes, he says, y'all going to be so ugly that when I come back, will there be faith on the earth? So there was a season that there was no faith on the earth. There was just fate. In there, honey, man. Why are you looking at me like that? If you all could see the look I just got. So before Abraham, there was fate. Abraham had the one sperm of faith. And he bred what was not in existence in the planet up to them. Which means all was darkness. So he breeds this faith through Isaac. Now, it's very interesting because he breathed it through Isaac. When we like to say that, you know, the, the offspring of Ishmael were not Abraham. Yeah, they were. And they were faith. They have, listen, we have two recognized monotheistic beliefs in the planet. Ishmael and Isaac. We have to get it together. No, so now, so where are we going today? Dr. Price, why did you do that? Because God wants to upgrade a lot of his body that's in existence today. He's going to start with prophets because God starts everything with a prophet. In order for you to qualify for that, well, that's a whole involved thing, but you will have to make up your mind to forget those things that are behind, to separate yourself from the world because you can't keep swimming in death and then try to keep alive the fragments, the seeds of life that the Lord is putting in you. That is what holiness means. We think holiness is your attire. Your attire is a reflection of your holiness because holiness means, in a word, Satan free. None of his attributes none of his biotics are in your spirit your spirit is new and it's purging and purging you may get saved and this oh, i don't i just think that's religious well most most times satan will tell you everything is religious because he's a religion we're not we're the redeemed we are not a religion we don't fit a, a religion we are redeemed we are the redeemed of the lord and because we gave up our inheritance we have come under the yoke of darkness and so we don't, we look like, we look like we should be a religion and in particular, a religion of choice and beyond that, a religion that only requires, requires form and function, relies on ritual. 
See, religion relies on ritual. Redemption relies on biotics. You know, when you talk to, we were talking recently, I don't, I don't even know who I was talking to, I'm always somewhere. But anyway, we were t- I was talking to someone and they were, you know, and I was talking to this guy who was trying to sell me on same-sex marriage because he's same-sex. Married. And so, I, I really, he didn't know me. <clears throat> he really didn't know me because he probably would have danced around me. So we started, you know, and he started, you know, first of all, they're always whining. They're either whining or they're fuming. They're some of the meanest people you will ever meet. You will not meet meaner people than them. You can look at what they're doing to our society. You can look at what they're doing to our children. You can look at what they're doing to family. They are mean people because the reason that they are who they are is a mean spirit. Satan is mean and maniacal. And so he was having this conversation, bless his heart, with me. And I'll let him talk. You know, you got to get it out somewhere. And so... He and I never I really didn't give my opinion on it one way or the other until he started pressing. He said, because like we're like y'all, you know, I mean, you can't help who you are. I said, let me tell you something. Nobody ever died from not having sex. Not one person. Can you name one person who's ever died for not having sex? And yet you are defined by sex. You stop having sex. You're me. That's number one. And number two, I can't stop being black. Michael Jackson spent a lot of money to not look black, but you know what? It didn't change his genetics, didn't change his gene pool. He went and had black kids with his little white painted bleach face. So don't, 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 you don't line yourself with me. You are what you are because you chose to do it. You, yours is an act. Mine is a fact. I was very serious. I, I was like, mm-mm. But yeah, but what are we supposed to do with our families? I don't know the same thing anybody who wages war against the Almighty does with their family and loses. You raise war, you're gonna, you're gonna draw the Almighty into combat. He's going to assault you. He's going to assault you because he's and he didn't even have to do anything overtly. He just shuts off like he did with Satan. He sh- I, I talked about it. Listen, last week he shuts his power off and you begin to rot. That's how we ended up with uh, with HIV and monkeypox. God took the life out of that. He said, "Y'all want to play in death, then die." You know, the worst thing in the world is not dying. The worst thing in the world is keep letting the wicked, the wicked multiply. Now, that's the worst thing in the world. I got coffee tonight. Let's see how nice this is, nice coffee. Because you're going to get a cup, get some tea. So, now that I've primed you, let's move on. Twenty-first century war with the dragon. We are warring with the dragon, and because we have got forgotten that there is a dragon. Okay, I think I got my thing right. Yeah, they, we've forgotten there is such a thing as a dragon. We don't know. Now, anybody know who is the dragon today? China is the dragon, and it's acting like the dragon. You can almost anticipate 
what it's going to do because we have a whole piece in scripture about the dragon. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, so the war weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They were, let me tell you something. The dragon was so smart, he got you to fall in love with him so that he can enslave you. So that he can overpower you. Because Satan knows what it is to have Christ in us. We still can't figure out Christ in you, hope of glory. We can't figure out the glory. So we don't have hope in it. We've been gotten again to a living hope. We cannot get that because the new birth doesn't make sense to most of you. It's something that is abstract. It is something that's aesthetic. It is nothing that is biotic. You do not believe that you have a whole new life force and, and the power of a life that's defeated death in you 24-7. That's why you don't care about it. You don't take care of it. You don't mentor it. You don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to read the Bible because the Bible is outdated. The Bible isn't outdated. You are. We are outdated because eternity has dealt with this long before we got here. Y'all all right? Mm -hmm. So we have these scriptures up here, and I hope you can see them. The reason I did it like this is hopefully to make a comparison. Can they see it, Rachel? Yes. Clearly? Okay, because I, the reason I did it is, and I thought about it afterwards, but I was doing it in such a hurry that I didn't. But I want you to see something. Eight, 18 times the dragon is in scripture. Most modern translations, Antichrist and naive to Christ translations, change it to whatever it likes. But 18 times God mentions the dragon. 17 of those times is about a creature, a being that is super, supernatural, surreal, and also physical. Our issue is we did not live the world they lived. So we really don't know what it was like before Jesus closed the gates. We don't know what it was like from Adam to Christ. So it and, and we we were born in Jesus's success, not in humanity's distress, mm -hmm. where creatures showed up like physical beings, and they weren't. See now the reason that the pagans can fall in all because they read all of those those stories. And they put their faith in that. But they didn't have to work too hard because where there is light, there's always going to be darkness. So if you look at this, and I will, uh, I just want you to see them. But if you look at this Psalm 91:13, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. I think it's amazing that the lion keeps taking out the dragon. It could be that the lion made the dragon. This is important because of what we're facing right now. See, we are fighting. When we say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we have to be honest. I am, when I'm in my, my kingdom apostle representative mode, I know 
that we're dealing with a being, a creature. When I was pr praying, and we were praying for Donald Trump before his election, Dragon showed up. And God let me know, and he would, and, and it was not as powerful as it's portraying itself. It showed up like a paper machete, a mache. Is that what they call it? Mache. Okay, I'm gonna remember now because you know I've been using it since school, <laughs> elementary. <laughs> but so here's Ezekiel: speak and say. This is God telling Ezekiel: Thus saith the Lord God: Behold, I am against thee, Pharaoh, king of Egypt the great dragon that lieth in the midst of his rivers, which has said, my river is mine and I have made it for myself. My personal favorite is this one here, if I can get you to see it. And then we'll look at the others. Isaiah 21, 27, one. In that day, that's the day God rescues his people. Now he's gonna tell you how he's doing it. In that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword, he's going to decapitate, all right, and stab, hack to pieces, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing servant, serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. So we have Leviathan, which is a, a one of the, if we're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, then we're going to talk about devil, dragon, serpent. So devil, and then he's the dragon, and then he's the serpent. We find that out in Revelation from Jesus. You see, the, the battle that they have with Christians and with us who belong to God is that God gives us revelations that destroy their civilizations. God gives us words and he gives us answers. Like they don't get answers. They just get statements. Like they cannot really, if, if, you know, they cannot tell you what it is to be born again because Jesus said you must first be born again to even recognize that there's a thing as a new birth. You can't even recognize there's a thing as a new birth. I don't care how much surgery and cosmetic people say they have, they don't know what it is to be a woman in a woman's body like we do because we are living the wife or wife mother woman sister female experience and ours is not by artificial or synthetic hormones so we know that their synergy has to be off because ours be off a couple times once a month but look at this now leviathan is what is called what does anybody know what leviathan is the king of the children of pride in Job. Do you all remember that one? The Leviathan. And he's, uh, I mean, and, and so we get down to this thing's emission. And so what are, we, what, what are we all pushing up against? Pride. The pride of the Leviathan who is powered by the dragon. So now we know that they're not synonyms. The serpent's pride is Python. So that Pythonic spirit is where mysticism comes in. So we've got pride, we've got mysticism, and then we've got the devil himself. 
and he shows up as a dragon. So why a dragon? I mean, you think about it. Why a dragon? You know, and we can, we'll look at it a little later, but why a dragon? I mean, of all of the things. You go from being a cherub to a dragon, but you have to go to Ezekiel to read, to get the description of a cherub. Now, the cherub is one level or one strata of creatures around God's throne that take care of him. Ezekiel shows that they are, they carry the almighty around. You are the anointed cherub that covers. So they carry God around. That's one of the many things they do. But if you remember in Ezekiel, they're also guardians of God's possession. So the cher- God put two cherubs at the gate of Eden. So they and, and they were two cherubs and and to keep what? To keep the serpent out. Because the serpent has now put his spirit in Adam. So understand, he's no longer in that snake on the ground, which is why I said on, you know, I'm, I'm making, you're going to be on the, you're going to crawl on your belly. belly. His spirit has now entered Adam to become the life force of humanity, however dark, however dead. The minute he enters Adam, well, even before that, he sustains it, but his seduction in Adam, meaning his words in Adam, killed him when Adam had took faith in him. Adam the eating of the fruit was literally the acting out of his faith in the serpent. Because he was already, why were you there? You shouldn't have even been there. You and your wife should have been at another restaurant. Right? Even today, I look at husbands and let their wives do all kinds of crazy things. And think that, well, you know, that's her. That's just how she is. That's how, not how the Almighty sees it. And so, the, so when people ask about the origin of death, death did not begin on earth. It extended to earth. And I'll be preaching this until I go home to be with the Lord. So we now see, we have, look at this. We've got the Leviathan, who's a serpent, and he's a crooked serpent. And then there's another one where he says he's a fugitive serpent. He's a fugitive from eternity's judgment. And then there's the dragon. So now let's get here and I'm going to, we're going to take a break and I'm going to see if I can make this a little better for you guys. Okay. Let's take a break. I thank God for the break. The first thing, my first part of the answer is that I don't approach it as a pastor who is obligated to the peace and comfort of a congregation. I represent the Godhead. I'm very clear on that, and and it has made itself, or the Lord has made himself very, very present to me. I've had enormous encounters with God to gain his heart. When you are representing someone, your thoughts ought not to matter. Your opinions, even your fears, ought not to matter. So he tells me what he thinks. You know, and I, re- I read my Bible and I look in the fact, like, for example, let's just take the question of people saying, well, the Bible's dated. I love that, you know? And I said, dated how? Because I'm reading the Bible and it's reading like your news. 
It's doing the same thing. It's reading like these, the, the YouTubes and the, the uh, media postings. So we did not, you know, to this modern society did not invent fornication. And, and so many Christians are buying into that as if this generation invented sin, and they didn't. I mean, God has been dealing with this since the foundation of the world. So what people are not expecting from me is that, number one, I'm intelligent. I'm intelligent because God made me that way. The man gave me a brand new brain, because remember I told you I was a lady that couldn't write the proposals. So that's number one. Number two, I'm studied and I'm learning. And number three, my particular commodity, ministerial commodity, is wisdom. I connect the dots and I fill in the blanks. And that's what you don't get. Instead, pastors, because of conditioning and because of political correctness, they feel as if they have to make people feel good even if people are abusing God. And I don't feel good about abusing God. And in this subject, I get very animated because I'm telling you that the things that we do to God in Christ, we would not do to our friend and half of our enemies would never know it. We'd shut our mouths and walk away. So I take care of it. Like I talk about abortion. I talk about homosexuality. I talk about, you know, adultery and the swingers clubs and all of that. And I talk about it not just from a biblical standpoint. I talk about it from the point of science. I talk about it from the point of of humanity. I talk about it from the point of sociology, psychology, neurotheology, neuropsychology. So I can, can come at those issues from so many different ways that people are like, wow. And they don't feel like they've been rammed in the face with the Bible. Now, I use scripture all the time because you know Jesus is my honey. I'm going to use some scripture. And so I use scripture, but I use the wisdom of God. You know, we've had the word, we've had the works, but we've not had the wisdom. So when I address it, especially on my show, Taking It On with Paula Price, yes, I do. It's named Taking It On because I plan to take it on. And I spent 30 years in the Lord's laboratory being groomed for this very hour and time in history. And I thank him for the opportunity to address these things for him. that say that about me are the people who don't know scripture because the people who know scripture know Christ and he will talk to them so when they say that I just ask the questions how much do you know the word of God because we're probably going to talk apples and oranges because I'm going to talk from the 30 years of, of scripture immersion and development of text, etc., and tracing. My research was tremendous. I have a huge library of books that I bought. So I don't feel uncomfortable with my message as long as I can find the taproot of Jesus Christ and I can lead them to the word. But a Christian who was, who was raised on sentiment, raised on emotions, raised on experience, I call that, you know, the kind of culture crafted, we fuse the culture with Christianity, well, they won't get me. And they won't get me because they haven't gotten Christ. So I don't feel too bad about that. I love to sit down and talk with my peers and colleagues. My reputation by now, because of the Prophet's Dictionary, because of my broadcasts and all of that, has pretty much settled itself with those who are settled in Christ or those who are seriously seeking him. For those who have never used Christ, they've only used experience, they've only run on charismata, yeah, I'm a little bit of a problem. 
but I want to help. I want us to talk. I don't want to leave it there. So I invite them, and I just keep telling the word. But, but, but this is Jesus. You understand that this is what the man said. This is what he wrote. And I know people who are saved, who have difficulty with me, it's only because they have not had that um, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. They have not learned the milk of the word of God, thus having advanced to the meat of God's word, and thus cannot relate to the righteousness that we're supposed to exercise as we grow in Christ. And that's what I do. Have you visited our university website? Explore www.price.university to begin your journey. We offer self-study classes, practical ministry certificates and diplomas, bachelor's, associate's, undergraduate, master's, and doctoral training programs. Once again, visit www.price.university. Well, thank you for staying with us. We're having a great time. It's going to be magnificent. If you look at your screen, I've already covered Psalm 91, that thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou um, tread under feet. But think about this. When Jesus comes, he said, but I will give you power over all the power of the enemy. And then he said, we can tread on serpents and scorpions. That's very interesting. We'll have that conversation because that's going to take me someplace I don't want to go. But let's go to Isaiah 51, 9. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generation of old. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Now, Rahab represents the, um, the storminess, the, the climate of the dragon, and so it's often presented in scripture as synonymous with the dragon. But so because the dragon is dwelling in water. So he's saying, but look at what he's saying there. Ancient days and generations of old. Now he's saying that in Isaiah 51. And he's saying, aren't you the one that we found out has kept the dragon at bay? But where I want to go next is really probably where we're going to have to... Um, end it. Can they see that? Is it better? Because I made it better for me. Still? Okay. Because I want you to see this the way it is. So we're in Revelation 7. I mean 12. And there appeared, now I mean I have studied this for like 40 years. So, you know, I wasn't ready for God to say, so let me just answer the question. Okay. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. Now we know 12 represents, we know Israel and, and, um, the, you know, as far as the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, but what we don't recognizes that 12 is the number of the hours in the day. So she's got 12, she's saying here, she's got the 12 stars. So that is every hour of every day. Every hour, 12, all, all, all day long. So she's 
prototyping or pro predicting Israel and the 12 stars. Now, what we um, and, and, and the 12 apostles. Now, here's what's so interesting. We can talk about this woman. And we said they appeared in heaven. And yet we ascribe earthly interpretations. This is a heaven. This is something that happened in heaven and you don't realize it. Now, I've been jumping to verse seven, the war in heaven, but I want to back us up a little bit because there's a revelation in here. We need to get a revelation from the revelation. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. We understand that that's futuristic, but that's also God talking about a solution to what they're living that he's already worked out. So he's letting John know this is because John is not watching this before Israel. He's not watching this before the 12 apostles. He's one of. So this thing is going back to what took place in heaven. Very interesting. Does that make sense? Are you all lost? Okay. So everybody who's found, hold up your hand. Okay. Thank you for the three that are found. So I thought if I phrased the question right, I'd get the right answer. <laughs> Let's stay with me a little bit and then we'll go back. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. This is still heaven. Because ultimately, when, when I mean, when they were walking the planet, we didn't have seven continents. We did not have that. And it's interesting how the seven continents track with the seven spirits that were before God that were sent into the whole earth to be the seven angels over the seven churches. But this dragon predates all of that. The red dragon. So I, I'm just, I'm still having fun with this. So we're probably going to be, this is going to be like Genesis to me. You know, I keep coming back. Having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns. So we've got, you know, um, we've got this dragon is already outfitted in his dominion. Remember, if it doesn't happen in the spirit, it cannot gain a body in the flesh. The laws of creation is that the spirit gives life. So we're talking about this. So we're talking actually about God's world. Revelation 12, 4. And his tail <clears throat> drew the third part. It didn't even say a third. It said the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, obviously, the pregnancy, the gestation, and the delivery are all parabolic at the least. But we know from Mary that God can impregnate anything asexually. Keep that in mind. We're born again asexually. By the seed of Christ, by the spirit of Christ. Now, 
Revelations 12, 5, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So we understand this, but this is why they kind of discount the church in this, because they're running on the 12 tribes, which they should, but they're ignoring the 12 apostles. So the 12 apostles bring the church in. And Jesus comes and he's the one who educated, etc. So we're looking at her. So this is all a cosmic drama. It's almost as if John is watching a huge screen and God is selectively. Now, I believe that there's a lot that was not given to us or was super or over condensed because some folks didn't agree with it. But I'm going to be with God in a, in a little bit. And I'm going to be like Moses. I'm going to be there with him. We're going to visit. And he's going to download all of that to me. Because I've already decreed that he wants that for me. He's told me. So I'm going to be able to fill in those blanks. Yes, I am. And I'm going to be able to tell you what's missing. And I'm going to watch. Trust me. I know. See, but 12.6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God. That they should feed her there 1,200 uh, and three score days. Or 1,260 days. Is that right? 12, 12, 12. So he's saying 1,200 days and then 23 score is what? 60. So we understand that. So he's telling us this woman is in the wilderness and in, in what heaven calls the wilderness because God heaven calls all of earth the wilderness. We just, because we all the wild things, you know, we, we, we're his wildness, you know, he calls all the earth. And so, but, but so we, we have that. Now you're saying, I'm saying, but where is this woman? I have been asking and asking and, you know, we know that this woman eventually produced Israel, whatever this woman form was, but let's look over here a little bit, look over here and see a little bit. Then, so now she hits the planet, and the next thing we see is war in heaven. It seems like these are chronological, well, maybe they are chronological, chronological events, but a lot of times they're overlaid. So she, it says, and then, and there was war in heaven. So we don't know if it's sequential or if he said, but and typically is a conjunction, you know, that. Con, you know, connects to the one before it. So all of this is leading up to this war in heaven. And so there was war in heaven. She comes to the planet. Now, I want you to think about how I'm going. Go with me to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a divine creature, celestial creature, not an angel because he's not a messenger. He's a principality. He's a stronghold. He's heaven's priest. So he's heaven's priest on earth. Think about that. Heaven installed a priest on earth. This earthly priest has a priesthood on earth, taking human form. You know, angels show up in human form too. So he's taking human form on earth and he's establishing the region that is to be Israel and Jerusalem. 
he stays on the planet doing all that he does. He's warring. He's building a kingdom. See, we, we keep saying we're the royal priest. So what are we doing, royal? We don't even know what we're doing. We right now aren't even royal because royal means ruling. What are we doing? We're just, you know, we're walking around throwing, slinging slogans and snatching titles and, and filling in blanks that we don't even know. And so he's he is a king. He's a priest king. God has made us a nation of what? Priests and kings, according to our God, according to the order of. Don't tell me you don't know what we're supposed to be doing. It's the devil that talked you out of going on and buying those towns and buying those cities. You see, devils are buying them. What are we doing? Waiting for the fathership to come and, and, and take us away. We just, and, and we're always hiding out and we're always dodging work and we're always evading challenges and we're always backing out of this and hiding out of this. And then we're like, Jesus, come and help us. He did. He helped us so well that he created a way to cellulate himself, to bioticize himself in our being so that the power that works in us is the equivalent of the power of the most high God. And I'm telling you, we need to grow up. But first, we must preach this gospel. And a pastor can't give you this gospel. The pastor can inherit it. The pastor can pick it up. But the pastor can't because the pastor's got us here. They shut off the gospel. They decided we don't need prophets. They decided we don't need apostles. Pastors did that. Because they felt like having the people show up to them all week, all week long gave them ownership. This gospel did not come to a church. It came to 12 apostles. And it came from, a, we don't even know, eons of prophets. And because when God's word speaks, it does, it, like anything else, you realize that if you are, if you take a course in something and you study it over and over again, it cellulates itself in you. It speaks to you. It creates vision. It writes itself in your being. That's why they know how to do this through Microsoft and company. Because that's what happens. Yeah. It's not what stays on print that we can work with. It's what t jumps off print and becomes you. That's what it is. So this gospel cannot be preached. This is apostles doctrine. Yeah, y'all heard it was said, but I say. Jesus comes as a prophet and it cracks me up all of the people who have a problem with that because you've been trained to disdain prophets. So now you have to wrestle with the fact that that means you must disdain the Messiah. He came as a prophet. Moses came as a prophet. Mo Moses prophesied that Jesus would come as a prophet like him. Hebrews 3, Moses kept Jesus' house as a prophet until Jesus came here. And you could do all you want to do. You can miss all of this stuff about prophets and all you're doing is showing yourself to be antichrist. Because if you can't deal with his prophets, you're an antichrist. So you're looking for antichrist to be evil, to be movies and all of that kind of God, to be all the paganistic. But I want you to understand antichrist is anything that is against who Jesus Christ says he is. Anti means against. And if you're against his prophets, he came as a prophet. If you're against his prophets, then you're an antichrist. I don't care how Christian you call yourself. 
I don't care. And I have been doing this for 20 years. I've sat at tables and they told me, oh, no, we don't let the prophets in. Now you realize that if you cast out the prophets, you're casting out Christ. So who's going to be your voice of the future? Who's going to be your revelation? The diviners that you think are nothing more than sermonizers. See, because you can divine through sermons just as well as you can divine through prophecy. I'm just saying. And I'm telling you, my word, my word to the prophets is y'all better, better gather, garner, and get your own strongholds. One of the things that Samuel had was a stronghold for prophets. Israel always had, a, the prophets had a stronghold that was independent of all of the other institutions. I'm just telling you, for the record, that is why Saul had to go to the mountain of the prophets. Because you can't mix. People who don't understand the spirit of the prophet can't discern what's distinct about the mantle of the prophets, the office of the prophet. They will always be your adversary and they'll always be your cudgels. But when we do come together and we, when we do come together and we establish our own strongholds, people won't be able to pass by on the street because that coagulated mantle is, is more formidable today with the Holy Spirit in the present in the planet than it's ever been. Going on. So, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels. So he already had a military force. See, there is nothing that's happening here that's new. It's not even new under the sun, let alone above the sun and so the he had his own warfare so think about it whatever he did leading up to that that caused him to become the dragon which we've been reading it here and there whatever he did it hit its point of culmination heaven waited until he he did all everything that he could do against it to cause it to lose the war was out in public and in effect. When everything he did to get him to be A, the red dragon, that old serpent, the devil, and Satan, those four epithets, whatever he did to get him to be that had reached its conclusion. In other words, his sin had become full grown and was ready to bring forth death. So, He's letting us know, now this is heaven. There was war, the man said war in heaven. If there was war in heaven, then there was sin in heaven. If there was war in heaven, there was rebellion in heaven. If there was war in heaven, there was a takeover in heaven. And, 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 and just like God does all the time, he lets the devil play until he runs out. When he runs out and he's dumped, the last most heinous thing he can do, then God wages war on him. You see that happening even in Armageddon that we think is around the corner, as erroneously as we can. When, when God waited till he had done, the beast had done everything, the uh, false prophet had done everything, the whore of Babylon, they all, every, every place Satan had was done. The last major play he had was that, hey, if we took all of this, all we have to do now is take down the Almighty. And he, we ended up with the, uh, the gathering of the armies of the world in Megiddo. 
And here's God. Look at them. Bless their little, little ant-like hearts. And the scripture said, fire comes down from heaven. Wipes out the entire population. You know why? Because everything God wanted to keep was already raptured. So he didn't care. He said, anything I want, he, we, remember we had the rapture, we had the carrying away, we had all of this kind of stuff. So when you think about it, that's why I know all of this here, all these uh, prophecies about we're in last day. That is not true. We are not, we're far from the last days. And all of this, what we're just telling you, because you jump into the head of, head of the book as opposed to just looking at what the man said. No, no wisdom attached, no science attached, no logic attached, just sensationalism. I'm like, no. And so it said in Revelation 12, 8, and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now, we think of heaven as just some sort of tubular thing. Not that it is a whole sphere that operated and created this sphere so god found a way to biologically to genetically to physiologically block them from getting back into the world in which they were created he decoded them and then re-encrypted re heaven so they can't get back there so they're and he said neither was their place found that means God didn't just kick them out. Everything that was them, everything they bred, everything they made, he kicked everything out because in heaven things are living. They're not static. They're not dead. And he says, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast to earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now I want you to understand, slowly read verse 9. Slowly. And the great dragon was cast out. That means he had built an entire institution in God's realm. Because where else would he begin? He has to begin where he was born, where he was created. So he kills, and, and then he tells you the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan. And what did he do? He deceived the whole world. People, I ask you, what world? Because you don't appreciate all this man did. You don't appreciate all Jesus did. But you also don't appreciate all the Almighty lived. To say to you that we did this thing so tight, thieves can't enter. Moths don't corrupt. We, he did this to make sure. I tell you, God's going to stay on top if he has to crush you like a bug. And you need to really be, you need to come to terms with that. Okay? So he said he was cast out. Look, hear me. Is anybody getting this? Because I'm getting excited. I'm, 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 I'm talking over my brain. I'm just excited. I'm talking over my head. He said, we're talking about a, not a universal universe event. We're talking about a supernal event. This was a celestial conflict. He said, which deceives the whole world. And went so he had a world he deceived, but now he's cast to where? Which is why we have Ephesians 3:10 that says, For the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. 
was made known. God's manifold wisdom was made known because I'm going somewhere with this. His manifold wisdom was made known to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. I want you to understand, people. You've got a salvation salvation message. The Holy Ghost was great. He saved you. You got born again and you went on to live life as usual. You did not understand the battle, which is why the world is in the grip of darkness right now, because Satan was smart enough to keep you from hearing what really happened to you when you received your new spirit and your new heart and the Holy Ghost indwelt you. What really happened that sent Pentecost to the planet? The Holy Ghost to the planet on that. What really took place? So it says he was cast out and his angels cast out with him. They were cast to earth. When? Long before us because Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I want, can you imagine what that looks like in dramatization? You got this big dragonic thing looking there with lights, embers all in him, where uh, the, his light is fading. He's falling to the ground and he's got all of these dark beings with him. This is a mob hitting the planet. Oh. And he said, now here, this is where it gets really, really, really good because it's getting good. I know you don't think it is, but it's getting really good. And I heard a loud voice saying, where? Where did, the, where did he hear? He heard it in heaven. This was not somebody with a nice big church. This is in heaven. He said, hear me. Oh, my God, my soul. Oh, we so miss, we we have so abused our Maker, our Savior. He said, "I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, in heaven saying, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ." For the accuser of our brethren is what? Cast where? So you mean to tell me he built a whole dark kingdom? He built an entire kingdom of darkness to rival his maker. In heaven. And, 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 and literally hijacked the man's citizens and populations. And he did it by simply saying contrary words that contradicted the creation, not just the creation order, but the creation's biotic. So he's saying the accuser of our brethren. Now, if he has accuser of the brethren, then there's this massive split that happened. Those that follow him his tail dragged them. And then the ones who didn't follow him are the brethren he accused all day long, like they're doing to us today. Right. This happened in heaven first, guys. I don't care who you are. If you're a public official, you're elected official, if you are a panel, a commission, you need to understand this is not new. 
And he's reenacting on earth what got him kicked out of heaven. But he assaulted, he accused. Right now, this whole thing, we, you know, we are the terrorists and all of that. That's Satan's modus operandi. So you now know that the dragon is still dragging us through hell. Now it gets better. But he accused them before our God day and night. That the mind, I don't know about you, but my mind is having a difficult time understanding that. So he kept dragging them to court and dragging them to court and dragging them to court and dragging them to court. And one prosecution, one persecution, prosecution, prosecution, persecution. This is heaven. This is before we even got here. You look at Donald Trump, he's in the grip of the dragon. And the dragon kept dragging, because is this not it? Day and night, he kept dragging him and filing charges, criminalizing everybody that didn't join him and become him. This is it. This is what he does. This is why all of those times that you let those little naughty things, you refuse to censor this and you refuse to censor that, you were becoming the kingdom of darkness, breeding itself in the kingdom of light. You never thought that all of that free speech was going to end up putting you, chopping off your liberty. Where everybody got I mean, I will fight to the can you realize how many shows we had? I may not like what they say, but I'll fight to the death for their right to say it. How are you fighting now? But I mean, we believe in faith. They have a right to burn the flag. How are you feeling now? Because the and if you had had good teachers and good preachers, and if you'd had powerful intercessors and you'd had potent prophets who were walking you through this, not as something that never happened or something allegorical or as some sort of simulation, this is not a simulation. This is a recollection. So he says he accused them before our God day and night. Anybody hearing me? And what did he say? They overcome him, overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives to death. You think this is earth? This devil engaged Christ. He was convinced he can beat him. We don't understand. So they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They held their testimony even when it was costing them their eternal lives, their supernal life. That's why God can reverse all of this stuff in time because he's already done it. He said they overcame him. Who overcame him? Our brethren who were accused day and night because in God's world, accusations are not just papers. We don't file indictments. They, he utters words, and those words kill. He learned how to kill. He kills the spirit through words. When we look at that, he kills the soul through words. You're talking about the soul of a nation. You all, you've got a media that's killing you every day. They're telling you why. They're killing your spirit, and they're killing your soul. Why? Because they are the property and the product of the dragon. 
And he knows that, see, you think it has to be gun, guns and all of that stuff. That's the last, our, our man-made stuff, that's last. They did with words. That's why you need intelligence. You need intelligence. You need logic. You need information because how you combine, combine those words and how you use those words is how they move a sword. God uses the word sword because words stab. And they penetrate you. That is why he talks about the words that I speak of spirit and life. But he also tells you that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Your tongue is a dagger. And it's an injector of truth and untruth. So all you hear now is the words. You hear negative words. Everything is negative. Negative, negative, negative. Why? Because negative means to negate. And negate means to eradicate. So that is why he gave us the Bible. That's why he gave us scriptures. And then we go on and they said here, verse 12, 12, therefore rejoice who? Does anybody else in the Bible say anything else? Because this is heaven's history. This is the Almighty's memoirs. This is what he lived. This is his recollection, the Godhead. And he says, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth for the, look at this, and of the sea. For the devil is come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. We won the war. We exterminated his seed, his germs. We purged his uh, institutions of his systems, his government, his lies. We did all of that. And so after we purged him and extracted him from everything in our world, we then did battle with him and we removed him from our realm. But we sent him down to you. Why? Because he also occupied earth. He inseminated the earth. You read that in Isaiah and in Ezekiel. So he heavens. God help me. Because I can't believe we were so wrong. I can't believe we were so blinded and so childish. And even now, you got preachers who have brought us to this place telling you folk like me are wrong. But you, this is your watch, brother. This is your watch, sis. We weren't in charge. You were in, and on your watch, you lost this man's kingdom. You lost his nation. You lost his planet. And now you're waking up like Samson with your hair cut off and your eyes plucked out, talking about, Lord, give me one more time. So let's talk about this woman. I'm going to end it on this note. We know that this woman is the mother, the spiritual womb that gave us the 12 tribes of Israel. Even the one devil. Dan was the tribe that got lost. They got sucked up by the Amorites. And gave us the 12 apostles through Jesus Christ. Because we go there and we see in eternity, which where we meet her, there's the 12, the, the 12 foundations, the apostles of the Lamb, and the 12 tribes. Is that right? 
So let me just give you a cute revelation, if you don't mind. You'll be glad you hung tough. She said, another one? That woman was Lady Wisdom. For wisdom is justified of all of her children. Proverbs 8, it was not Israel proper. It was Israel's uh, womb, the producer. Proverbs 8 tells us that Lady Wisdom, can I end it on that? Of course I can. It's my mic, mic is my show, and I can end it the way I want to. Um, she said, any way you want to do it. <laughs> but I want you to see this, because this is why when you see men beating women, men are beating women the same way this dragon did. It's only a dragon that's going to bash a woman for serving God, going to bash a pregnant woman for carrying the future. Gonna bash, this is a dragonic, I'm telling you, that's a draconic theology. And he did it in God's realm, and, they, and so he still has those, those one-third of angels. So don't come at me with that. Don't come at me with that because I will call you that old red. Yes, I am. Yes, because that's, that's the only one that's going to come after somebody who's serving the maker. Don't come at me with that. I don't want to hear it. I'm not the woman for the job, and I'm so not impressed. Because we are living in the fruit of your masculinity. We're living in the fruit of your gender, not mine. Now, we might, I don't know that we'll do better. I have no idea. What I do know is that God said in Proverbs chapter 8, let me get my little thing here because I'm not getting these pages right. I like this little guy. He's my little friend. Proverbs 8. Yes, my friend. I want you to remember this. First of all, Proverbs 8 tells you all the power that woman had. Wisdom predates everything. And so he's telling you what it means. I claim this for me because I'm a woman of wisdom. My mantle is wisdom. I claim everything 8 and 9 says, everything chapter 1 says, I am that. And I'm, I'm liking it. That, that feels really good. Yes, it does. Doesn't it? Yes. Okay. You, you got to say yes, because what are you going to say? You, she'll, you know, she'll say the truth, but then we'll, we'll have to work with that. Proverbs 8. With, with the whole of Proverbs, every woman alive should read Proverbs 8. Every woman. Now, I know that you all say that that's not, that God never called them. I don't know who you are, but you've been checking in and checking in. So I'm, let me give you a little help. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, if any man seem contentious, we have no such custom, neither do the churches of God. You can talk all your theology. You can do Y'all kind of like those, you know, those, those um, 18th and 19th century male clubs where, you know, the women couldn't come in and all of that kind of stuff. Those are your issues. But you cannot blame the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, we have no such customs, neither do the churches of God. 
Now, here's where we go. Yeah, you know, I'm saying it because God's calling women to ministry and you're not coming. And in, in, in most of you all, you would rather see us fail. You'd rather see us go blo- broke, anything to save your testosterone-driven theology. You still can't tell me what God's problem is with estrogen. So wisdom is talking and it's powerful. Some days I just play it all week long. All I pray, play is Proverbs 8 and 9 because I want to get it in my spirit. And so it said wisdom has children. So wisdom is justified with all of her children and wisdom is the righteousness. God's righteousness went to a female version of himself. It said, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me in the beginning. Read this. Come on, everybody. All y'all listening to me tonight, get your book. I want you to highlight and do all the colors and stuff so that you recognize I am not out of order. I am the order. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting. From the beginning or ever the earth was. Now you can read the rest of this all you want. But that tells me I am above. I'm the top. Before the earth was. Does anybody's Bible say something that's way off beat from that? So before there was an earth, there was lady wisdom. So when God said male and female made him them, female was wisdom. Which is why the point of wisdom so appealed to Eve. When she saw that the fruit, Satan knew how to do it because wisdom was in his world. I'm done for today. (laughs) <laughs> Somebody, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, you cannot fight this man's battle if you don't know his fight if you don't know what he lived if you don't know what he suffered if you don't know what it cost him you, we walking around here making people think there are no females in heaven and before there was an earth he made us because he made Jesus the male And wisdom, the female, which is why the church is classified as a woman. Before there was an earth. That means before your theology. And I need you, you females, to start walking around treating us like we like whatever. Second nature, no nature, I don't even know. Wisdom helped God create everything that you use and you do. He did it. If you look at, did he say it? Apostle, is that what he said? So wisdom said, he, God did it. He said, when there were no depth, that means no water, I helped him. I helped him create water. I was brought forth. Before God made water, he brought forth wisdom. When there was no fountains abounding with water before the mountains were settled before the hills I was brought forth oh I don't know about you I'm excited so that's why I don't have an identity crisis so moving on while as yet he had not made the earth nor the fields nor the highest part 
of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave, and you can go on, then I was with him as one brought up with him, or as one brought up, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the inhabitable parts of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now, do you understand the sons of men was, what is it? King James, gay. He hated his mama, and he probably turned everything into the male gender. So we understand how that reaches back. I thank you for joining me this evening. I give you these teachings. I get excited because I'm a real passionate female. I'm passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't hide it. I don't pretend. And I don't really care if people have an issue with it. You know, people used to say to me, Apostle Ashley, well, why don't you, I mean, but you can just calm down because I'm talking to them. I mean, you, don't get excited. I'm excited. And I'm not calming down. If you're okay being muted and conserved, I'm really exuberant about being excited and enthusiastic. Thank you. And serving the right God. If you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you're unsure, you play this again and ask the Holy Ghost to give you your eternal self, which was in Christ before the foundation of the world. I want you to go to Ezekiel 36 and ask God for your to wash you with his word, to ask God for your new heart, your new spirit. Ask him to put his spirit in you that you may be born again because you don't even know what that is. Then you go back to John 3 and said the Holy Spirit is who begot you again to Christ. You must be born again if you're going to enjoy anything from God's realm in truth. I want you to get born again and we're going to start putting that prayer up on the screen. So that you get born again when I speak. Because you have to do something with this information. Rather than walk around and feel like whatever. If you feel depressed after we speak. If you feel dejected. If you feel kind of hurt and sad and sorrowful. It's because you don't have your new heart. You don't have your new spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not in you to really translate this. And interpret this into your redemptive existence. You must be born again. If any man is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. All of this is great, but I'm telling you, I don't care what the devil said. You just saw he's on the planet because he can't get back into his birthland. You must be born again. And I'm asking God to minister to you. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to make himself plain and real to you in ways that let you know you are his child. I'm asking him to show you that you were in Christ before the foundation of the world. And he wants now to get you out of Christ as a seed and into a body that will reign with him forever. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what y'all been hearing. Jesus did not give me a motivational message. Thank him because I would have been demotivated like you all. 
demotivated to serve Jesus Christ. You're demotivated because in your mind, Satan has given you all of his propaganda about Jesus Christ. And when you move into this, I want to say this to you. You begin to grow and he changes you and he begins to switch out organ by organ, cell by cell, vein by vein. He switches out all of your darkness, death, doom equipment, and he replaces him with the eternal version that was in Christ before the foundation of the world. And if we if we don't take this Christian doctrine and take this Christian message and get it off the ground and free it from the gravity of sin, we will not rise and live forever with him. I love you, and I love you enough to tell you the truth, and I love you enough to make it plain. You must be born again. I don't care if you said that prayer at the evangelist meeting. I don't care if you ran around the church and sprayed oil and whatever. You must have the eternal equipment, your eternal version, and your eternal self that was in Christ before even he came to the planet. You must get your new heart. You must get your new spirit. You must have the Holy Spirit inside. You must be born again. That's what born again means. We don't tell you that. And I'm asking God to receive you into his family, to receive you into his household. I'm asking him to forgive you of all of your sins and to pass you from death to life. What you're going to do with this prayer is say, I'm with her. God, I repent of my sins. Because if you don't repent, there's no remission. If there's no remission, then you are dying your sins. And right now, with COVID and all of this crazy, we need to have prayer offering things every day. Every day, we need to give you an opportunity to pass from death to life and to inherit your eternal sinless self that was in Christ before the foundation of the world. Yes, I went over, but some of y'all souls, I got to call y'all in. Some of you all, you're walking around here smug thinking that you got it covered and you don't. The reason you can't stop shacking is because you're not born again. You may be churched, but you're not born again. The reason you can't stop drugs, the reason you can't stop cussing and all of that, you must be born again. This is the Holy Ghost. He's wooing somebody right now. I need you to get on your knees and say, God, Forgive me. And if I am your child and if I was in Christ before the foundation of the world, I'm asking you to forgive me, to purge me by your blood and to give me my new heart and my new spirit and to put your Holy Spirit in me that I may walk and talk like you as you walk and talk in me. And I'm asking you to do this, Father, because I believe Jesus Christ is your son. And I believe that the reason that I have to be saved by him is because I was in him before the foundation of the world. The Holy Spirit is wooing you right now. He's telling you, don't miss this window. He's telling you because God wants to set you free, but he has no legal right. And his legality is based on your, his bio- biology. His genetics. You must have the Godhead's genetics. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm telling you. The Lord says to somebody who's listening to me right now, your time is short. Don't miss me because you're not being moved by me. We thank you for joining us tonight. If you're in the area.
whoever you are, don't miss. Don't let it go. And if you've been saved, or if you feel like you, you want to, I, I'm, I thought I was saved, but maybe I need to go ahead again. It, nothing, it doesn't hurt. Write me. Post me and say, Dr. Price, that got to me. It saved me. Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of you all went to the office altar and you said a sinner's prayer and you asked Jesus to come into your heart. That is not born again. And you asked him to do it without repentance. You are not born again. You may be good and churched, but you're not born again. And God, he's This thing is hitting the planet huge. Pass this on to your friends. We're going to separate this so that you can. Some of you don't have the blood. The blood's not on you. We're going to end it right here. Sow a seed of the Lord moves your heart you get born again you definitely want to sow a seed that'd be your first fruits is your new life join us at the congregation of the mighty where god stands at the embassy sunday 8 a.m sunday school 10 a.m service if you're in tulsa join us if not join us online god bless you should be on television because her wisdom is universal. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you agree or you don't, there is wisdom and eternal truths in everything she says. She's intelligent and not just emotionally reactionary. And so if she's going to, let's just say, have a rebuttal against something, she has done her homework. And so it's not just shooting off emotionally and this is just what I believe and just, you know, unbridled passion all over the place. She should be on television because the world needs her, not just the body of Christ. There are answers that she has taken the time, which a lot of people don't want to do, and paid the price and the sacrifice like people in scripture. And it's time for the world and the world is ready to hear that information. Oh, she's real.
Dr. Price is real. That's the appeal. We just had a whole bunch of people in church on Sunday and the overriding comment was, well, she's just so honest, but it's just so truthful. And it's not just honesty to shock people and do whatever. She's honest about the Lord, honest about the word, honest about us sitting in the seats and herself also sitting in their seats. And, and that's, that's huge. You, you don't even realize you don't hear the truth a lot until you hear it. And you're like, that's it right there. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to visit www.takingiton.com. Taking It On is not just about a television show. It is about getting around tables, having discussions, making connections, shaking hands, opening doors, and you might be the solution or the open door to what God has told Dr. Paula Price. And so as we continue to take it on, we want to take it on with you. Partner with us at www.takingiton.com.